Praise the Lord. Take your Bible, if you will. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. We've been looking for the past four weeks the truth of the first 11 chapters of Genesis. First week, we looked at the fact that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You say, did he do it with the Big Bang? No, that's the end. Okay? It's going to end with a Big Bang. 
It started with a spoken word. There's absolutely no thing, no possibility, no probability, no chance in the world that you ever find something designed that does not have a designer. Okay? This suit did not happen because I happened to walk through a field of flax. Well, somebody designed it, cut it large enough that it would fit me, stitched it all together, and then I went and paid for it. My watch is not the result of a few bits of glass and metal being shaken together in a box for millions of years until they finally developed into a watch. Nor has an explosion in a print shop ever resulted in a dictionary. It just doesn't happen. Chapter 2 gives us a little more explanation about the man and the woman that were created, why they were created, the fact that they were created in the image of God, which means we must be very, very careful about the taking of a human life, born or unborn, because it's a human being made in God's image. Only God has the right to do that. Tragically, we live in a society who thinks man is God, and we can do what we want to do. Chapter 3 was the first Bible Revisionist Committee where two people got together, not two people, one person, they both two personalities, one person and one serpent who had been filled by the devil, possessed by the devil, got together and discussed whether God really meant what he said. They used the dynamic equivalency principle for uh, interpretation, and so the Satan, when Satan said, did God say, he's beginning to cause them to question what God said, did God say that you could not eat of every fruit in the garden? And the woman said, no, he said we could, we could eat of all the fruit except the one in the middle of the garden, but we weren't supposed to even touch that one. God didn't say that. She added to the word of God. Satan caused her to doubt it. And then she added to it, changed the translation from the original, and then Satan said, well, God knows that in the day you eat that fruit, you'll not really die. You'll be like God's, and you'll know the difference between good and evil. Wow. Who doesn't want to be like God? That's the whole basis for the Mormon religion. God used to be like you are, and now you can become like he is. They just got sued in an English court for fraud, asking people to believe things that were not true and to contribute to it. And I can't wait to see how it turns out. <laughs> it poses a threat for religious freedom everywhere. But I agree that they have been asking people to contribute to something that's not true. We get to chapter 4, 
where we are this morning. You say, wait a minute, did they die? Yes. The moment they ate the fruit, they died spiritually. When your spirit's gone, it's just a matter of time until your body dies. And death became a gift from God. He removed them from the garden where the tree of life was, lest they eat of the fruit of the tree of life and live forever in a continually dying body. Say, what do you mean? Well, have you ever been to the hospital, see somebody really, really old who is really, really sick, and it looks like death might be a relief for them? What if they couldn't die? Trapped in a decaying body. Wow. And so, death came. New Testament says that... uh, Lust, when it's conceived, brings forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. And the sin of Adam and Eve was to disobey God, to doubt God's word, and to try to go their own way. Chapter 4, verse 1. Let's stand together as we read from the word of God, out of respect to the God and his word. You follow along as I read aloud. And Adam and Eve... And excuse me, and Adam knew his Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. The word Cain means from the Lord. She again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Cain talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. It shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch, and he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. And unto Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begat Mahujael, and Mahujael begat Methusael, and Methusael begat Lamech, 
And Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Adah, and the name of the other, Zillah. And Adah bare Jabal. He was the father of such as dwell in tents and such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. And Zillah, she also bare Tubal Cain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. And the sister of Tubal Cain was Naamah. And Lamech said unto his wives, Adah and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech. Hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a young man to my wounding, or a young man who wounded me, and a young man to my hurt, or a young man who hurt me. If Cain be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God, said she, hath appointed me another son, another seed, instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. To Seth, and to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, as we look at your word this morning, make it clear to us. Cause your Holy Spirit to teach us. Not just the words, but dear Lord, the, the lesson, the message, the picture that you have for us in this passage. Help us to recognize the awfulness of sin how it affects people's lives, what it does to us. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory for what you do in this message this morning. Dear Lord, we do ask that you would speak to hearts, change lives, draw us close to you. We'll give you praise and glory and honor in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. She remembered the promise that the seed of the serpent will bruise your seed's heel, but your seed will bruise his head. And so when she had a baby boy, she said, God kept his promise. Turns out Cain was not the one who was going to bruise the head of Satan. But that was her, re her response to the birth of her child. She again bears brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. Cain's a farmer. Abel's a shepherd. In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. There's no problem with that. As we read this, we think, okay, God, God didn't appreciate a, an offering of fruits and vegetables and, and grain. But that's not true. He commanded the children of Israel to bring him a wave offering of the first sheaves of the wheat and the barley and, and the corn. He commanded they, that they bring it, that they bring loaves of bread as an offering to him. That they bring the grapes, the first ripe grapes to him in the fall. A command from God. So the problem was not that he brought fruit. The problem was that Cain was trying to establish his own religion. You say, what do you mean, brother? I mean, there's only two religions in the world. 
You say, wait a minute, I know, I can name at least five. No, no. You divide them into their broad, general categories, and there's only two. One, where people get saved by faith, and the other, where people get saved by works. Only two religions. All of the religions of the world fall into one of those two categories. If you examine them carefully, you will see that only biblical Christianity offers salvation by grace through faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. All of the others require you to work for your salvation. Whether it's Buddhism, Hinduism, Shintoism, Mormonism, Catholicism, and go on and on. They all require you to work in order to gain salvation or nirvana or whatever the thing is they're looking for. So Cain brings the best that he has to offer. The problem is, as a result of the sin of Adam and Eve, God had killed two animals to make cloaks for them, make clothes for them out of animal skins. And God, at that point, required the shedding of innocent blood to cause sin to be covered. When it says in the process of time, it means when the time came. So this was something that God had required for the, for the Jews. It was Passover. When the time came, you bring your offering to the Lord. And it has to be an, an innocent animal. And you shed its blood. And you offer the meat and the fat of the, of the animal to God. And Cain said, I'm not doing that. I'm I'm a good farmer. I'm bringing him these nice eggplants. Okay? No, it doesn't say eggplants. I know that. Okay? We don't know what what it was. We just know it was the fruit of the ground and the results of the work of his hands. Okay? Abel responded to the voice of God and brought a a lamb of the firstlings of his flock, the finest, the finest. I expect that Cain gave him a little heat about it. How come you gave him that one? That's the best lamb you got. Why would we give God less than our best? I don't know, but a lot of us do. God did not respect Cain's offering. He respected Abel in his offering. Cain was very wroth. That's an old English word. It means angry. He was mad. How dare God not accept my offering? How dare God not accept me? A misunderstanding of who God is. A failure to understand. That God is the God Almighty, the God omniscient, the God omnipresent, the God who is everywhere present, sees everything. He's not pantheistic. You can't say that God is 
in the grass or God is in the trees or God is in the air. If you want to go that direction, then you have to ask yourself, if God is in the grass, then when the cow eats the grass, is he eating God? And when the grass is processed and comes out the other end, is he stepping in God? Or, if the cow is slain and you eat the cow, are you eating God? You see, it makes no sense. Pantheism is not a viable understanding of who God is. No, God is God, the Creator, the self-existent, the self-sufficient God. He doesn't need anything, doesn't need anybody. Why He created us and loves us is beyond human comprehending. And I know what the Bible said. The Bible said God loves us because He wants to have fellowship with us. He wants us to talk to Him and He wants us to respond to Him. He wants us to listen to Him. He wants us to obey Him so that He can bless us. Okay? When we look at children today who, who are not disciplined, is that a good word? who get everything they want. Part of the problem is they grow up thinking that they're as smart as their parents and they deserve whatever they get. We began with a small child teaching them about control. Okay? The parents who allow their children to back talk and allow their children to, to, re, to blatantly disobey and refuse to submit, those parents who go ahead and feed their children and bless their children and clothe their children without any kind of discipline or teaching those children a wrong concept of God. You know why you teach children to obey? What's the reason? Okay, a bunch of reasons. Okay, For most people, it's so your kids will respond when you speak. Second reason, so they will make you look good as a parent. Okay? Number three, so you can live with them without wanting to kill the little rascals all the time. Okay? Okay? And all of those are wrong. What? No, brother Kate. Yes. The reason you discipline a child is to teach that child to respond to you and learn to respond to God. If your child tells you no and gets by with it, he'll tell God no. And he won't get by with it. Or she won't get by with it. We misunderstand that we're not rearing children for adulthood. We're not rearing children for this life. We are rearing children for eternity. And I don't want my kids or my grandkids to spend eternity in hell because they didn't learn to say no. They didn't learn to say yes when God spoke. Cain got mad. You could see it on his face. His countenance was fallen. Whoa. You don't have to walk around Walmart very long before you find some little kid whose countenance has fallen. Okay? But I want it. You can't have it. But I want it. Like, who are you to tell me I can't have it? I said I want it. You get it and pay for it and give it to me. They don't understand the concept of authority. Okay? 
And they must learn that if they're going to serve God, if they're going to glorify God, if they're going to spend eternity with God in heaven. So vitally important. Cain was rough and his countenance was fallen. And God said, why are you angry? Why are you looking so down? If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? Hey, you want me to love you? You want me to bless you? You want me to provide for you? You want me to take care of you? Do what I asked you. Or do what I command you. You do what I command you, and I'll give you all those things. I'm still going to love you if you don't do it. I'll just not be able to bless you. My mother was an incredible cook. Okay? She made these cinnamon rolls. They're about this big around, and they were only about this tall. And they had pecans and, and brown sugar mixed with melted butter all through them and over them. And she fixed them for deacons' meetings, for class parties, for church suppers, for all kinds of things. And the only ones that us kids got were the ones that had been in the oven too long. She cooked, she wasn't taking them to the party. She didn't want people to eat them like that. And so I don't like, to this day, I don't like mushy cinnamon rolls. I like them crisp on the outside. That's the way I learned to like them. But I don't mind telling you, when Ron and I, maybe not Ron, when I was disobedient, I didn't go into the kitchen and say, hey, Mom, I'm taking some cinnamon rolls. Because I knew it wasn't going to happen. She loved me. Loved me just as much when I was disobedient as she did when I was obedient. It was just much easier for her to demonstrate that love when I was obedient. Because when I was disobedient, she had to withhold some blessings. She didn't keep us away from the table. She didn't tell us we couldn't eat. No, none of that. We just didn't get as many choices about what we were going to eat. Unless you think, my mom's crazy, the state of Missouri has a meal loaf for prisoners who will not submit, who won't obey by the rules, prisoners who are going to do what they want to do. It contains all of the nutrition necessary for a human body for one day. And it tastes as bad as it looks. Smells, yeah, smells as bad as it looks. And you think, how can anybody eat that? Why would anybody eat that? Well, because the state is required to take care of its prisoners. But you don't get mashed potatoes and meat meat and and pork chops and, and green beans and corn and bread and things like that if you will not submit to the rules. They're going to give you food that is healthy, and totally unenjoyable. Nobody ever learns to like it. God looks at Cain and he says, Cain, if you do right, you'll be accepted. I'll be able to bless you. If you don't do right, sin is going to be crouching at your door. 
Every time you leave the house, sin is going to want you. It's going to want to trap you. It's going to want to tell you you can do whatever you want to do. You don't need God. Unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Do you rule over sin? That's what God told Cain. He can rule over sin. What's that mean? It means everybody gets a choice. Temptation comes, you get the choice. You choose to obey or you choose to disobey. The choice is yours. But when we make our choice, we never get to choose the consequences. Please understand that. You can choose whatever you want, but you do not get to choose the consequences. Consequences often are predetermined. And you just don't know what they're going to be. Cain talked with Abel, his brother. Came to pass when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. He killed him. Some of the ancient manuscripts said he hit him in the head with a rock. I don't know if he did or not. I know he killed his brother. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is thy brother? Let me remind you, God never asks a question that he doesn't know the answer to. Okay? That's why we call Jesus our advocate. He's our attorney. He knows the answer before we, before he ever asks the question. Where is thy brother? And Cain said, I know not. Oh. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they passed the buck. Cain has now sinned, and he can't pass the buck. He was the only one there. Adam said, uh, the woman you gave me, she made me eat it. And the woman said, oh, the serpent that, that you created, he's the one that tempted me and I ate it, and, you know. And so God cursed the serpent and then cursed the woman and then cursed Adam and cursed the ground so that it brought forth thorns and thistles and didn't, didn't wasn't as fertile and, and fruitful as it had once been. That's why if you're going to raise crops, you've got to fertilize every year because the ground's not what it used to be. It's cursed as a result of Adam and Eve's sin. Now Cain sins, and he can't pass the buck, so he just lies outright. I know not. Two reasons why people lie, just two. Number one, to make themselves look better or to stay out of trouble. Those two. Okay? Cain lies to God who knows everything. Wow. I'd never do that. I'm glad to hear that. Our offerings are fixing to skyrocket if people say they won't lie to God. Because God says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. And in the New Testament, Paul says, do it on the first day of the week. That's Sunday. A tithe is a tenth. And the tenth of 
all that God blesses you with. So it's 10% of gross. And you say, well, well yeah, God, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll live for you. I'll honor you. I give you my heart and my life. And then you don't tithe. Okay? Ladies, please take this warning seriously. Keep your purse close by you when you're at church. Okay? Because if a person will rob God, they'll steal from you. I mean, you don't have near the power over them that God does. If they'll steal from God, they, they'll probably steal from you. You say, Brother Casey, that's silly. Is it? Here's what God says about tithing. He says, if you give the tithe, I will rebuke the devourer. Okay? So what's that mean? It means you won't have as many unexpected bills as you used to have. Because the devourer always gets what you owe God. If you don't give it to God, he's going to get it. And he likes to take more than 10%. In Malachi, it talks about a guy who's going out to sow the sow seed in the, in the fields and he has a hole in the bottom of his bag. And he keeps putting seed in and when he gets ready to sow the seed, most of it's gone. Where's thy brother? And Abel said, Cain said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Bob McCarty shared with me about this monkey, chimpanzee, who's sitting in his cage in the zoo, and he's reading the Bible. And the keeper comes by. Sitting beside him on the chair is a copy of Darwin's Origin of the Species. And it's obvious he's been reading it too. And the keeper stops and says, what in the world are you doing? He said, I'm trying to find out if I'm my brother's keeper or my keeper's brother. Give that some thought later on. It gets funnier. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, God said, what hast thou done? The blood of thy brother's, the voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. The Hebrew word translated crieth here is also translated screams. Screams unto me from the ground. The blood of my, of thy, the voice of thy brother's blood screams to me from the ground. You think we can sin and God doesn't know it? You think our country can continue to kill 1.2 million unborn babies every year and God doesn't care? Their blood screams for justice. And everybody wonders why we had so much, I mean, so much bad weather this year. These huge snowstorms, you know. And I'm not against women who have had abortions. No, God loves them. I certainly am against a society that says it's okay. And I'm opposed to a government that says, hey, it's legal, do it. Because a lot of stuff is legal that is in violation of the Word of God. It's wrong. 
There's no way I'm going to finish this. Very thirdly, now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. You have driven me out this day from the face of the earth. From thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. The word Nod there is a Hebrew word that means wandering. He became the first Bedouin. First guy to live in a tent and just wander around the country. When things got bad, he got up and moved. Packed up his tent. Silently stole away. And Cain knew his wife. The big question. Where did Cain get his wife? The big answer. He married his sister. You say, wait a minute. You can't even marry first cousins today. No. Why? Because of genetics. Because the... the, Mixing of DNA causes genetic mutations that cause children to be malformed or mentally undeveloped or physically undeveloped. That's why the law says you can't marry your sister or your cousins. But Cain came from parents with perfect DNA. And he and his sister came, his sister came from parents with perfect DNA. There, sin had not caused the problems yet in humankind that is produced after all these centuries. And so he married his sister. Well, where did his sister come from? Okay, I really don't want to get into a lot of details, but she came from his mom and dad. That's why they called her sister. Okay? And the scripture is quite clear. Adam and Eve had sons and daughters. The chapter goes on and talks about his grandson, Lamech, who was attacked by a young man and in self-defense he killed the young man. And the chapter ends with These verses, 25 and 26. Adam knew his wife Eve again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to to Seth, to him also, there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. You want to know when prayer started? When Enos was born. When Enos was born. Adam and Eve communicated with God face to face. It appears that Cain communicated with God face to face. But after 
Cain's sin and after Abel's death, then God didn't come and talk with them anymore. And so when Seth is born and Seth has a son, Seth begins to pray for his son and his son's son. Do you pray for your son? You pray for your son's sons? James Dobson, the head of uh, Focus on the Family, Colorado Springs, says that his grandfather prayed that there would be ministers in his family for four generations. He prayed for his sons, his grandsons, his great-grandsons, and his great-great-grandsons. Is that cool? He didn't know who they were going to be. Nobody knows who their great-great-great-grandkids are going to be. But he prayed for them. Prayed for them. God answered the prayer. They've had four generations of preachers in their family. Is that cool? Yeah. What do you pray for your kids about? Help them make good grades? Help them be safe on the highways? There's only... There's one thing that we often neglect that we ought to pray for our kids for. That they will serve and love and honor God. So that your grandkids then can then can know the gospel and be in heaven. And your great-grandkids can know the gospel and be in heaven. Wow. What do you want for your kids? I want my mind to be in heaven. And I want my grandkids to be in heaven. And I want my great-grandkids to be in heaven. And I'm going to serve and honor God so that he can bless me and bless them. Cain wandered all over the world. East of Nod, at least. I mean, east of Eden. Wandered all over that part of the world the rest of his life. We don't know how long he lived, but probably lived a long time. People were living about 900 years then. Noah, but he had a curse on him because he disobeyed God. Very quickly, let me wrap this up. Knowing that Cain was going to sin, knowing that Adam and Eve were going to sin, and then Cain was going to sin, and then Seth and his kids were going to sin, and Noah and his kids were going to sin, and Adam, Abraham and all his kids were going to sin, and, and all the way down to us, people were going to be sinners. We are going to be born in sin. God planned before he created the world for his son, Jesus, the second part of the Godhead, to come and be born in a manger as a human being on this earth, and to live a sinless life. Did sin lie at his door too? Yeah. Lies at everybody's door. And Jesus said no to it every time. Praise God. And he went to the cross of Calvary and took our sins in his own body and died for us in our place. Suffered hell for us. Suffered separation from God for us so that our sins could be forgiven. And he comes and offers us 
the opportunity to be exactly what God created Adam and Eve for. People who fellowship with God forever. He offers that to us. And when you receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior, the Holy Spirit moves in. And then the two of you all live together. And the Holy Spirit's there to guide you and to help you and to keep you in fellowship with God. That's why Paul said, pray without ceasing. You say, Brother Jay said, who can pray all the time? Well, you can talk to him all the time because he's in you. When you receive Christ as personal Savior, oh, heaven becomes your home. That's God's offer. Forgiveness of sin and a home in heaven. Your choice. Let's bow our heads together, stand quietly to our feet.